this computer. Hey everyone, it's Sonia here with Fresh Approach Fitness, a wellness company. Oh, I tripped up on that name again because I've been saying Fresh Approach Fitness for 15 years, but I am segueing over to Fresh Approach Wellness because I offer a lot more than just the fitness component now. You know, it's wellness for every single part of you, mind, body, soul. And speaking of mind, body, soul, you'll notice that today, episode 140 is another heart to heart, which means we have a beautiful guest speaker. We have Ariel with us today, and she's going to be chatting with us. We're going to go back and forth and have this genuine conversation regarding actually dedicated. Let's dedicate this one. We're going to dedicate this to postpartum women looking to reconnect back with their mind, body, and soul, but wanting to avoid the heaviness of the bounce back culture. Ariel, take it over. Do you, do us a favor and introduce yourself. Hi. Yeah, Sonia. Thank you so much for having me. Um, first of all, I have to say I love the shift from fitness to wellness. Um, I speak to you a lot that we really can't have wellness without both like the mental component, the emotional, the physical, it's, it's all very interconnected. Um, so I, I love that. Um, but yes, yeah, so thank you for having me. I am a physical therapist and yoga teacher by training and background. Uh -huh. And I have recently shifted into being a postpartum wellness coach, again, bringing in the mental, physical and emotional transitions of um, life into motherhood. Uh, so now I'm a postpartum wellness coach helping new moms reconnect mind, body and soul when you often feel so lost and so disconnected after having a baby from yourself. Um, mm. And really kind of helping them shift back into re-identifying themselves outside of their roles that they previously had. I feel like early on in postpartum, again, with that piece of feeling a bit lost, a bit confused or overwhelmed, uh, we cling so heavily to our identity of who we were, the label of, you know, whether it be your professional role that has kind of paused at least for a moment, um, your identity as to the physical activities that you perhaps were engaged in before, even, you know, your physical identity of what your body looked like and felt like before, and all of that shifts very dramatically postpartum. So I'm, I'm here to give women the confidence that they need to feel really strong in their body and really strong in who they are and who they're becoming. You know, you've hit on so many great points. So I'm really glad that you're here today because we have an audience. Well, I have an audience that ranges. I know I have some new moms in here. I also know that I have grandmas such as myself who have been there, done that, Maybe they suffered from the, the depression part or the postpartum part, but maybe they didn't. Either way, that identity shift happens. So it honestly, ladies and gentlemen listening to this, okay, gentlemen, this is going to help you understand what your partner is going through. And I say that because you never know who's listening to these podcasts. You know, I learned, I learned the other day, and I don't know about you, Ariel, but I listen to them when I'm doing things. Right? Always. Um, always. So <laughs> always cleaning the kitchen, like whatever. It's kind of like my extra personal development on the weekend. So I'm always doing something. So if a woman is listening to this and her husband hears it and he's like, oh, this isn't for me, pay attention. And, and I mean this in a good way because just understanding that she may have no clue hormonally 
emotionally what's going on. The only mm-hmm. thing she knows is that she's lost her identity. Yeah, I would actually encourage, you know, any of the women who are postpartum or, or expecting um, to share this episode with their husbands so that they can get that perspective. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I mean, I joke about this because it's typically women and who are listening to podcasts and up-leveling, up-leveling their lives and chasing their happiness rainbow, if you would. Mm-hmm. But yet men don't do that. This is not a bash. This is just an observation. And lean in here. Women last. We last about 10 to 20 years longer than most men in society. I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder if there's a connection. So many reasons. And perhaps, yes, that self-care piece. They're trying to find a way into that self-care piece. Might might be part of it. Just a small part of thinking differently. Now, we all have moments of stress. And talk to me for a minute you know you know by now and for those that are new listening to the show because I know Ariel this is going out to your audience as well so I know this is going to be expanding um 140 episodes that touch on meals movement mindset your relationship with money a day in the life of everyday people coaches influencers and the moms the nine to fivers the entrepreneurs putting it all together for you in a nice little bow with some personality. So this is going to be on YouTube as well. The link will be on here. But more importantly, two things. I love the fact that we are having a real life experience. You've got your beautiful daughter there <laughs> and she's going to be in and out. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Like That's what this is all about. This is a safe spot. As long as everybody's on the same page, that opens doors, wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's it's life. It's real life. And I think it's really important that moms, especially new moms, see that, you know, that you can see that interaction with your babies as they're starting to get older and that that they can be very much a part of our everyday life. Um, you know, I think we're not so much still in that like kids should be seen and not heard phase, but I feel like we there's a piece of it that's still there. Um, And I'd like to kind of break through that a little bit as well, because I think that that's part of the reason um, that moms can lose themselves a little bit because, you know, as everything's shifting, our role has shifted, our titles are shifting, how we are seeing ourselves is shifting for us personally, but then also in society as well. And I feel like especially early on for so many different reasons, moms, feel the need to maybe avoid the things that they enjoyed doing before, whether that's going out to eat with their partner or, you know, what have you, hanging out with some friends because they feel like, and I, you know, I say this from experience, you don't want to feel like a burden and you're like, oh, but if my baby starts crying, am I going to be interrupting the table next to me? But again, like that's real life. And I don't, I mean, yes, you don't want your baby to be screaming the entire dinner. We want to like tend to and see what we can can do about it. But it's going to happen from time to time. And I, you know, two things with that, like having time with your partner alone is important. Mm-hmm. But for me, it felt really, really hard early on to leave my baby for any amount of time. And so we would just start to bring them with us. We enjoyed going out to eat. I, I love going out to eat. 
So we would make sure that we would bring our kids with us. And yes, it, with that comes its own challenges, but it is doable. Um, and I do think it's a way that you can kind of stay connected to yourself. It's just by, you know, whatever you can integrate your, your kids and your babies into your lifestyle, knowing that there is going to be um, some changes and there may have to be some flexibility in what it looks like, uh, but that it's still 100% possible. I used to take my babies to restaurants too. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and my youngest daughter has worked in a restaurant and, and she's like, people think, and she has a different outlet as a non-mom, as mm-hmm. a restaurant person who used to work there, like a waitress, um, about whether it's convenient, not convenient, what, what parents think. And, but the fact is what I love hearing is how you integrate your family into your life. So we're talking about mind, body, spirit a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned something that is really important to me. Um, and I'm going to be very honest to, to all of our listeners. Most of you know, current listeners know this about me because I'm pretty open, but I've gone through divorce, uh, through two divorces. So I've repicked myself up twice, which means mentally going into other relationships is, I mean, I'm lucky I've got a great guy now, but I can tell you there was some inner dialogue that wasn't serving me based on my past experience and and this happens when we have scenarios that don't align with the person that we are so where I'm going at with this is what Tony and I do right now every night we have date night every Mm -hmm. night at 9 30 we meet on the couch and we watch a show from a series that we picked out together so in my first two marriages we didn't go out we didn't do things. We didn't hang out together. And this is why I'm bringing it up because as a unit, this is one of the things that can save your marriage and help you. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys do? Yeah. So, well, we're actually, we're having a date tonight, but we're, so my kids are a little bit older now. You know, I'm not, you know, whether or not you consider yourself postpartum, I think there's a really big range there. But my my baby is almost a year and a half. So they are a little bit older. Um, and now that they are moving towards being a little bit older, we do date night maybe once a month um, where we're like going out. But we do make sure that we are taking time to connect with each other um, throughout the week. Uh, dinner is always a big you know, family dinner is a big um, component to our family life. And we take that time to sit down together, you know, devices away, TVs off, and we just have that time to connect where we're asking each other about our, our days and really listening to the other person. Um, but early on, I can tell you that it is a huge struggle. It was a big struggle for us. Um, I had, you know, postpartum depression and also postpartum rage with my daughter, um, you know, hindsight, looking back, I probably had a little bit of the postpartum depression with my son. Um, I wasn't as in tune to it then. And it, I would say resolved a little bit quicker than with my daughter. And I think that's for a multitude of reasons. Um, but <laughs> sorry, where, where I was going with that is, <laughs> You know, early, early on, especially if you're having any of that depression or that rage, it's really easy to take that out on your partner who is there. Um, it doesn't matter what they're doing, if they're being supportive or not, you're, you may not see it that way. Uh, and that's, that's where a huge piece of it comes back to really understanding yourself 
first, reconnecting with yourself first. That way, that way you have more clarity on what your needs are. Are they being met or are they not being met? And then being able to communicate that. And again, I say this, you know, I had, have, but he was very supportive throughout that process. But it, when you're in it, it doesn't necessarily matter. Um, and, you know, they could be wanting to resume date nights earlier with going out to eat, um, you know, on a weekly basis or a more regular basis. But depending on where you're at, like for me early on, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I like didn't want to be separated from my babies at all. Uh, and I think that's really normal and natural. And if, if it feels uncomfortable to you, I don't think that you have to do that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there aren't other ways that you can find that connection piece with your partner as long as one you're digging into what your needs are first so that you can be clear about your needs your expectations and for me one of those needs was staying with my kids early on um and then finding out you know creative ways to make that happen so sometimes if if bedtime worked out really great which doesn't always happen and they go down <laughs> they both go down easily it's just you know having takeout after bedtime as opposed to eating all together with the kids where we you know we usually do it together as a family but there was the occasional nights where we would sit down with sushi and some wine after bed and my little ones aren't great sleepers especially early on they would do what we call a false start like a half hour 45 minutes in they'd wake up and we would just you know go tend to them and then come back and enjoy our dinner and so I think I think it comes down to a lot of times like what your expectations are and being flexible with how things are going to look. Um, but again, as long as you're in tune to what your needs are early on and communicating that and listening to, you know, what your partner's needs are as well, because there, you know, when you have a baby, there are multiple people in the relationship now. Mm -hmm. um, and just because they're not going through the hard stuff that you are doesn't mean that they're not having some changes and some adjustments as well of course I mean you've, you've touched on so many good things there like and again I want to I want to reiterate something for everybody listening to this a lot of this conversation might be around postpartum uh -huh. but it doesn't make a difference if you're going through menopause or perimenopause it's the same hormonal feeling so it's the uh, it's the overload of emotion at the end of the day that you're trying to balance and you're trying to fit in the things that bring you happiness and joy but you're overcome with emotion so a mm -hmm. lot of what we're trying and you wouldn't be able to relate to this yet um but as i will be 50 in july i am relating to this so i can tell you after having the kids it's not much different you still get surprised so yeah it's well just, yeah i mean your your estrogen plummets right postpartum right away and it does the same thing again in menopause that estrogen really drops down which has tremendous effects on not only your mood but your body physically which can affect things on an intimate level as well and so that brings you with choices of like do i just resign myself to this is life now or is that intimacy important to me, like partner aside, because I, I feel like in our culture, if we're talking about intimacy and having, you know, a sexual relationship with our partner, it's 
for the partner in, in a heterosexual relationship for the man when it can also and should also be for us. Like there's no reason that that's not an important component to a relationship for women, new mothers or women in going through menopause. Yeah, or um, anybody in between, really. We're, like we're talking, we're talking about the two extremes. But ladies, gentlemen, when your woman is going through her cycle, it's tidbits of these exact same feelings that we're talking about because okay. our hormones are going through that. So a couple of important things that you brought up. Um, date night, you talked about, you guys do it often. Would that be the biggest piece of advice that you have for any new mothers when it comes to relationships? when it comes so I think it's being I feel like so if so many things play into it for me personally a big piece of it was my self-image and how am I viewing myself my body image changed um and so inadvertently I kind of reflect that onto my husband because if I'm not feeling good about myself and my body and I know that it's temporary I you know this this is what I do and as you know, from my background and all of that, like, I know that it's a temporary phase. It doesn't mean that I am loving that phase of how my body looks and feels postpartum. But if I'm not feeling good in my skin, I'm, I'm automatically thinking, well, he thinks that too, clearly. And that's not necessarily (laughs) the case. Right. Uh, and at that point, he probably doesn't even care. (laughs) No, he doesn't. And, And that's the thing. They tend to love us. Sometimes mm-hmm. more than we love, if, if you've got a good man, a good man, and, and again, we're talking heterosexual relationships here. So if you're in a homosexual type relationship, same thing. If you have a good woman in your life, a good partner, whatever it looks like, they're going to love you through those dark days. But when you don't love yourself through those dark days, that shows up in your confidence. Huge. Oh, so much. So, yeah. And then it has such an impact on your mind, body, and soul because you start to believe that is true. So it's very ironic. So we're going to go back to what we were talking about off camera uh-huh. for just a second. And um, I was complimenting Ariel on her shirt, thinking I had a similar one and saying that I kind of look like she did an hour ago because I was on the spin bike. And then I did a little bit of a workout, only like five minutes of weights and, and resistance training. Um, but here's the thing. I did a post, um, which is up on my YouTube channel, and I was literally talking about when no one's around, what do you do? Do you wear just a sports bra and workout pants, or do you cover yourself up so you don't even look at your own beauty? Yeah. And Like, no one's home, and I did this post just in a sports bra, and guys, I am an average woman, and and I'm, okay, not really average, but I mean average body shape. I... Um, I am a triathlete. I was teaching 23 fitness classes a week pre-COVID. I had an injury with my ankles, both of them. Bilateral Achilles tendinopathy. I was in physio for four years. And I know you get it because I saw your pants. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> I was barely walking. So you're talking to somebody with medals on the wall who could barely walk for four years throughout COVID, not just the the mental mindset of closing my business, picking myself back up, reinventing and redoing things. And that's the same thing with divorces, guys. That's the same thing with switching from job to job. You're rebuilding over and over and over again. And sometimes these things are not in your control. But here's where I'm going with it. To have people watch somebody like me, like a wellness coach and not 
not wonder why I'm not a size two. You don't need to be. And, and that's what that post was all about. You don't need to be perfect size two, three, four, whatever it looks like. You need to start to be confident in the body that you're in right now. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And that's so, it's so true postpartum because, yes. and this is why, you know, I feel like bounce back culture is so damaging to new mothers is because it sets these expectations up that we're not going to meet. And if you are able to meet them, chances are you're not doing it in a very healthy way. Something's going to take the hit, whether it's your, you know, physically your body taking a hit from trying to bounce back too soon or your, that mental emotional piece um, is, is affected by it because you're trying to meet these expectations that are, again, just they're unrealistic. Like generally it takes, you know, six to 12 months to really get back towards your pre-baby body. But that doesn't mean that you can't start feeling good in your body right now as it is in, you know, whether you're one week postpartum and you still feel pregnant plus everything else that's going on um, or you're three to four months postpartum and you're thinking by now I should be you know able to do x y and z physically or I should be looking a certain way or fitting back into my like <coughs> jeans uh, maybe they'll be snug but I should be in them and that's not always the case um, but again you know that is no reason to not feel good in your body uh, and we can sit here and say like, oh, your body has done such amazing things. And it's true, like growing a baby, delivering a baby, it, that's all amazing. Yeah. But when you're in it and there's like this huge pressure and whether you're like consciously or subconsciously taking it in, like bounce back culture is all around us. So it is hard to fight the noise. And that's where really working on that that mental and emotional piece of it comes in while still working on the physical aspect. Because I think like two things can be true. You can be happy and comfortable in your body how it is, and you can be taking care of your body. It's not, you know, an, a one or the other. And I feel like for me, initially, I was, I was kind of caught in this battle with myself of like wanting to get back to, so I've, I've only done one try. I do have aspirations to get back to them eventually, but I'm, I'm a distance endurance athlete. I've done several open water, you know, distance swims of a mile or more and several marathons and ultra marathons. I want to get back to those things eventually, but I know that, you know, returning to running postpartum takes time that you should start at like, you know, 12 weeks at a, at a minimum, like not six weeks. Um, but it doesn't mean, so sorry, so it doesn't mean like I have to either be back in that state or just accept my body for what it is and not try to have those aspirations at all. Like you can, you can do both. And I think that if we allow ourselves to heal first postpartum and that's healing physically and mentally, emotionally, then we can move through. So like healing and then recovering you know, as you're talking about your, your tendinopathies, oh. you have to let it heal first, then you have to do the rehab, and then you can get back to doing what you're doing. And for some reason, we just think that birth, even though we talk about it doing, you know, our body is doing this amazing thing that it's different. Uh, and you can talk to 
any athlete, yourself included, that not only is there that physical piece of the recovery, but there's that like mental piece as well of like, this is my identity. This is my stress relief. This is what I enjoy, like all of those things. And you're having to sit in this waiting period. And so I think it's, it's no different postpartum versus, you know, any type of injury or, you know, recovery process. And, and I love what you're saying there because so much of that is true. Do I know I'm coming from, and even, even someone like you with postpartum, but an athlete as well, coming from mm-hmm. the perspective of, you know, what you're capable of, you know, your times, you know, you can run half a marathon or a marathon, you know, what you are capable of, but you need to redirect that story now as if you're starting from scratch with no expectations. That is different than encouraging somebody to do their best. Because now you're worried about, well, I can tell you what you're worried about. You're worried about peeing your pants. You're worried about getting your pacing. Uh You're worried about having to go to the bathroom. Like you're worried about all of these things, but all you want to do is run or move your body. Like we're saying running because there's a different vibe when it comes to running. And and, (laughs) And again, for those that are new to this episode, I want to thank you um, for listening, but we are so real. Literally, it's like two friends having coffee and just chatting. So we didn't plan to talk about running at all. We don't plan to talk about any of these things. You know, there's four pillars I talk about, meals, movement, mindset, and your relationship with money. And even when I'm interviewing guests, I will bring these up in the last five minutes if they're not talked about. So they come up, but we didn't plan this. So for us to both be sitting here at two different stages of our life and sharing that there is a huge mental piece that comes with recovery, that comes with healing. And it doesn't matter what that healing is. Give yourself space for that because there's been a lot that you've accumulated and you have grown through. I like to say to my clients, and I love to hear your your input on this, but the slower it comes off, the longer it stays off. So slow and steady sets the pace, which is completely in alignment with your lack of bounce back culture. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I always tell people, if you have weight loss goals, I get that. Like, I I understand that. That's not what I do as a postpartum coach, because I'm working with you in your postpartum phase. And I think that there's a time and a place for that. But again, it's, it's after that recovery piece and kind of resetting and reframing and knowing, knowing why is that your goal? And it could be for many different things. It could be, you know, you've had a physician talk to you numerous times, you're more likely to be getting or you're pre diabetic, and you're become, you know, you're switching over from pre diabetic to diabetic, and they want you to lose weight for that reason. Um, It could be because you felt better, you know, 15 pounds lighter, as long as that 15 pounds lighter wasn't like a completely different life stage ago, meaning, you know, because our bodies change and yes. that's okay. Yes. Um, you know, you're not going to be your prepubescent weight. You're not going to be your pre-baby weight necessarily. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. And pre-menopause, like those are all different stages. Um, and I think just, again, allowing our bodies to change a little bit is, is okay. So it's just, it's knowing where your goals are coming from and, and digging into the, the whys behind them. And whatever your reasons are valid, as long as they're yours. And if you feel like your reasons are coming from something else, like societal pressures or 
you know, I, I guess the main the main outside of us would be that societal pressure. Um, so it's really kind of digging into that and seeing like, where is your goal coming from? Um, but yeah, to your point, slow and steady, absolutely, you know, absolutely does win the race, so to speak. I mean, from personal experience talking about running, I am not fast. I am slow and steady, but I can do, you know, you know, 32 miles, 50 miles. That's, that's been my longest so far. Um, Just so but, you know, I'm, I'm in Canada. You're in the States, right? Yes. Yeah. So where, what state are you in? So currently I'm in Florida. Generally okay. I'm in Massachusetts. Yeah. Okay. And I'm in Ontario, Canada. So we all know miles is a lot more than kilometers. Just saying. Yeah. So oh. 50, a 50 yeah. K, 50 kilometers is 32 miles. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I had it reversed. 50 miles yeah. is 70 something K, but yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it, it can be an overwhelming number. And, and there was something that you had said there. <clears throat> we're talking about weight and we're talking like you were talking about weight for a second. Keep in mind as your body evolved and you grow through that postpartum stage, you might weigh the same, but your body shape might yeah. change. And there is, that's for the better. Like, I can tell you, I have coached so many women physically and their body shape changed and they were still obsessed with the scale, but you can see their muscles and you can see their definition and you can see Mm -hmm. that they're down a couple sizes in their jeans or their wedding ring fits again and they've got tears. It's not about that number on the scale. And I can't emphasize that enough. Yeah. For me, my wedding rings, it was, I was a year postpartum with my daughter and I, we were going out to eat for our anniversary. And that was the first day I was able to put my rings back on. And it just, it like, it meant the world to me. Like it was such a small gesture, but it just made me feel so good. The timing was perfect, even though of course I wish it would have been sooner. Um, But yeah, absolutely. Our body composition is, you know, I mean, me personally, I don't even really know the last time I've been on a scale, maybe my last like six week appointment was so like a year, <laughs> and a year and a half ago, essentially. Um, for me, it's just not a tool that I use. I know for some people it can be really helpful. And so I'm not saying like not to do that. I think, mm-hmm. it's, you know, everybody's different. Um, but I, my biggest focus for me personally and what I try to instill, especially in that postpartum period is really about how you feel in your body and starting to be really in tune to that. So I'm looking like externally on what you're able to do. Like, are you able to now get up and down off the floor while holding your baby, which was something that you weren't able to do before, or you had to like crawl over to the couch and kind of hoist yourself up because your core was so weak and your back was aching because you, you know, your disconnection from your pelvic floor and inner core, like nothing was firing in like in synchronicity with each other. And so you're in pain and you're just not moving well. And now you're able to do that. And, you know, again, just back to how your body feels. And I feel like that's, you know, are you feeling good where you have more energy and you're not just this, you know, just absolutely exhausted. You know, another piece that we kind of, something that we normalize in motherhood and early motherhood is just, oh, we're just always going to feel exhausted that's yes you may be tired you're going to have days where you're more tired than others but you shouldn't be feeling exhausted like endlessly like no end in sight of when that exhaustion is going to lift um you know that means that you need to start to just look at things like what 
are you doing and what tweaks can we make so that we can, yes, you know, your baby sleep is what it, what it is, but how can you still feel a little bit more energized in your day um, and start to feel better in your body, good in your body. And, you know, again, that bringing in that mind body connection, when you're starting to feel better in your body, you're starting to feel better in your mind as well and vice versa. And I think the other piece to that is as you get more in tune to your body, as you start to heal and rebuild and do exercises from more of a like therapeutic place as opposed to a beating yourself up place and you're actually paying attention to your body, then you're able to pay attention to your body in all situations more. So you're able to pick up on those cues of like, I'm getting really like angsty right now. I'm, you're tuning into it more quicker before you lose it. So you're able to kind of check yourself, go through, you know, your list in your head of like, what's going on. Hold on. Torin, Torin, no squeaking, please. We interrupt this for a real life moment. <laughs> Sorry. No, don't, don't be, be don't be. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, so I, I think that it's, again, wellness as a whole, like you can't look at mental wellness and then physical wellness. You really have to, in my opinion, we really have to start looking at them together if we want to make longer lasting changes. And if we want to, you know, to really have wellness as a whole, because a whole holistic wellness as a whole. Yes. Because they can't, in my opinion, they cannot be separated for, you know, the reasons that we've mentioned and so many others. And, and I know this is just a tidbit that we've been sharing today. This is just a little bit of what you offer, a little bit of mm-hmm. my perspective. You can see the similarities between us. I want to ask you, um, can you give us some tips to help postpartum women feel good in mind, body, and spirit, and mind, body, and their soul as they're avoiding the bounce back culture? Three to five tips that you could share. And I'm putting you on the spot, but that's yeah. a- <laughs> the yeah, so I would, you would have them look at. Absolutely. Uh, so basic needs first. So, um, and kind of to your, to your points of, you know, the, the meal piece and the movement piece. So start there, make sure that you are nourished. So think about nourishing yourself as opposed to feeding yourself or, or diet and think about really nourishing your body. Um, especially true if you're breastfeeding, um, to make sure you're eating enough throughout the day. Early on postpartum, I don't think that it's helpful to start thinking about cutting calories, again, especially if you're breastfeeding, because on average, you should be eating five, 500 to 700 additional calories. Again, some days may be less, closer to 300. Some, you know, we may have multiple days in a row of 700, all going to depend on, you know, what your activity level is that day, how much sleep or little sleep you've gotten, so many different factors. And because of that, because there's all this fluctuation, you can't say, okay, well, you want to lose weight. So we're going to cut your calories here, but you're breastfeeding. So we're just going to tack on an additional 500. Like it doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, so tip one is just make sure you're nourishing yourself. So for me early on, I would have, you know, granola bars or pretzels, um, bananas, pieces of fruit available throughout the house. So like I'd have something at my bedside table. If I had a really, you know, a night where I was up all the time, like have a a banana at your bedside that you can, you know, snack on something during the night if you're feeling hungry and you're 
you know, instead of sleeping during the night, you're up that entire night. Your body's going to need that fuel because you're not in that, you know, consistent rest stage. Um, and then with, you know, with the meals pieces also staying hydrated. So again, just really starting with the basics. Again, if you're breastfeeding, so generally <coughs> adult women, it's around 11 cups, which I think is right around three liters. When you're breastfeeding, um, it's closer to four liters and I think like 16 or 16 and a half cups of water a day. Um, so again, having, I'm sorry, Torin, can you let them out? So it's having um, water. Again, for me, I had it scattered throughout the house, the house and it always had a water bottle handy. So I had one at my bedside table. I had one um, where I would generally sit and breastfeed or if you're bottle feeding and let's, you know, on a couch or in a specific chair, like have that water bottle there and ready for you. That way you don't have to get up and do yet another task for yourself. Um, so starting with those basics. And I want to, I want to, before you go on, mm -hmm. I want to just yeah, chime absolutely. in here for one second. So I know, I know we're going to wrap this up with, with after these mm -hmm. tips, but I just want to say menopausal woman, perimenopausal woman, people that are going through women that are going through their cycle. I want to recommend a tip based on the water, have a glass, have a bottle of water with you by your bed and mm -hmm. either drink it throughout the night. If you're going to the bathroom, like don't gulp it, have a couple of sips here and there because as you, and this is the same thing with postpartum, as you are sweating, you are becoming dehydrated. So you are waking up in the morning, soaking wet with sweat, whatever it looks like. But when you get to that point, and it does happen throughout pregnancy as well, drink mm -hmm. that water first thing. Your body's yeah. dehydrated. And that makes a big, big, big difference. Yeah, I still, I mean, I still start my day with a full, it's probably a 16 or 20 ounce water bottle that I have. And I drink that first as I'm pouring my coffee. So before I have my coffee, yep. I have a giant thing of water. Um, I don't know, for me, I guess I would say I'm lucky in this aspect, like water's primarily the thing that I drink. I know some people struggle with it so much. I struggle to understand that piece of it. I mean, I, I get it a little bit, I guess, but I, I'm again, like I said, I'm lucky that I just enjoy water. It's just what I drink mostly. So I you can, there's different ways um, of mixing that up because like, <laughs> Yeah, there's a completely different now. climate than Ontario. Yeah. Right. So for me to say, okay, yeah. drink half your body weight in water. Well, when it's negative 30 degrees out or negative four degrees out, like it, it's negative six Celsius right now, which is yeah. equivalent to 20 Fahrenheit. I've got two different computers yeah. with Celsius <laughs> and Fahrenheit. So that's hard to be drinking cold water. Right. So have herbal, a herbal tea. Yeah. And yeah. so mix or, it and if you. To your point, if you leave it out overnight, it's going to be room temp, which I think yes. is easier to take down first thing in the yes. morning anyway. So, yes. yeah. So what other tips do you have for us? Um, so for me, what was extremely helpful with starting to connect that mind-body piece, um, I'm sorry, I have to step away just for a second. That's okay. Amara, no. That's okay. So I love how this is live. I, I really, really do because you're seeing us in real moments dealing with real life situations. Yeah, our house is just there with two kids, three, one and a half, two dogs, one is a puppy and a cat, and it's wild. And it doesn't so. get any better because I am in a blended relationship. We've got five kids. I have a grandson. We have my parents who are in their late 70s. Yeah. So just because you get older, it doesn't look any less complicated. It's just, nope. <laughs> we're keeping it real. And 
Here's the disadvantage to moms my age. Kids don't leave because there's nowhere for them to go right now. <laughs> so we have a 31-year-old and a 21 year old living at home still. And as much as we love them, we're not getting that alone time, which makes yeah, some my- more important. So my sister's kids are older. My older sister's kids are older. And she had a week at her, my uh, nephew's in college. My niece was away for like a school trip. She's like, we've had no kids in the house for a weekend. And it's wild. And I think she's secretly hoping, at least for the moment, that he maybe returns for like a year after college. But we'll, we shall see. Yeah. All right. Give us a couple more tips. Yeah. So journaling is a huge one for me. And it can seem, if you're not a writer, if it wasn't part of your practice before, it can seem overwhelming. Um, but but you don't have to, you know, again, trying to let go of your expectations and what it looks like. It doesn't have to be first thing in the morning before your kids wake up with a candle lit and your tea and like you have this beautiful, like quiet time to yourself. I mean, maybe this is fantasy for me. I'm like, oh, that sounds so lovely. I'm just thinking but- it could be at night with a bottle of wine in the bathtub, yeah, sitting or- behind the door in the bathroom. It can look different. Yes. Yeah. Generally for me right now, it's, standing at my counter while I'm drinking my coffee and just jotting down my thoughts. I like to do at least like one thing that I'm grateful for. I think a gratitude practice is really helpful. Um, it can seem really daunting right away or <coughs> if you're feeling a lot of postpartum depression or anxiety or postpartum rage or any of those things, but I would challenge you to maybe just try it a little bit. Um, I know in those early stages, it can again, it can feel really tough because you're feeling so just like low and down. So, you know, start with the simple things, start with the things that are outside of your side of yourself um, and then kind of take it from there. You know, even if it's something as simple as like, if you have other kids and maybe they had a snow day or a delay and it gives you like an extra hour to get yourself together in the morning, you can be thankful for that. Um, so it, it, you know, take away your expectations, but start to just write things down, write what you're feeling and, you know, the good and the bad. So I like to do at least one thing that I'm grateful for. And then just, you know, pre-write. Sometimes I use prompts um, and go from there. So journaling, hydration, and, um, you know, nourishing your body. So making sure that you're eating enough and then really taking time to, to heal your pelvic floor and your inner core before you start jumping into any type of exercise program. Um, So that whether that's, you know, working with a postpartum coach um, who has a really solid understanding of what you need to do to heal and recover your pelvic floor, whether it's working with the physical therapist um, directly initially, whatever it is, I do think that that's a very important piece, um, especially very early on, because it might be so early on that you're not necessarily noticing um, any problems arising. But I think if we kind of address it earlier, the chances of problems arising are less. And as you were mentioning before, of like getting back into running and all the thoughts in your head, and one of them is, am I going to have to go to the bathroom, whether it be like, urinary urgency frequency like oh my gosh I have to go again or whether it's actual leakage 
it's common, it's not normal, and there are things you can do about it. And if you really allow yourself to heal prior to getting back to running, your chances of that happening are way less. And I'm going to, um, you know, from. No, yeah. I was gonna say, I'm going to tack on that because at, at this point, like, so we're, again, we're talking about the two extremes here, but at this point, laughing, crying, yeah. sneezing is an onset of like, I got to change my pants. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're in the wrong place to do that. And, and I'm saying this with openness because I want everyone listening to know that you don't feel alone, but this is a symptom of, of your body communicating with you that you should get some work done. And, and it can yeah. be, honestly, if you're in the realm of health and fitness, it can be as simple as like even Pilates because you are strengthening your powerhouse, which is going to give you your, your pelvic floor straightening, but there are antibiotics or I mean, not antibiotics, probiotics, there's the mindset work. And then there's deeper work that needs to be done, which is what you're offering right now to your clients as well. Yeah. And, um, and to that point too, a lot of, a lot of times we also need to relax our pelvic floor a little bit first. Um, And so Pilates does a little bit of like the lengthening as well, but we don't want to just keep tightening, keep tightening, keep tightening. A lot of times we also need to work on relaxing the muscle, easing muscle tension and think about lengthening the muscle so that you can strengthen it properly. Um, I like to it heals. It heals. Yeah. The example of, or you can, you know, back to, usually I'm like a bicep because that's, that's really easy to see, but with your ankles, you know, if you don't work some of that muscle length and getting that flexibility back, and then all of a sudden, you know, your ankle range is a lot less as opposed to you know, being able to really go up and down on your toes. Then this is where you're able to strengthen is just in this range. And you're not getting that full muscle capacity. So you're not going to be able to strengthen as well. You're not going to have that push off for running is not going to be what it was if you don't ever get that length back. So it's, it's really important to get that proper length tension relationship first in recovery, pretty much always before you start really strengthening. And you can do some of it together in tandem, as long as you're not forgetting that piece. And I, you know, I think with the bounce back culture, we just kind of skip over that all together. I mean, talk to anyone who's done any kind of workout and then ask them if they do any stretching or anything. And and then just a groan, you get a groan. Oh, you know, it's, it's the less glamorous piece of it. It's, the, but it's the not, it's actually piece. one of the most enjoyable pieces of it. Cause you slow <laughs> yeah, down. I you think. It. Okay. You yeah. said something that I, I want to expand on. And I know I had promised this, this is my daughter this time with my grandson, ah. <laughs> but I will send her to voicemail. Um, so one thing to keep in mind, even when it comes to the pelvic floor, and we were talking about my ankles as an example, but because it's easier to see something like a bicep or, or something external is easier to witness and to see. You see the swelling, you see the inflammation, you see the lack of blood flow, you feel the impact a little bit differently. Especially after you've had babies, you just think the leakage is just normal. Whereas you yeah. age, you think it's normal. Like you said, it's common, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to happen. So it's not just a matter of strengthening, stretching, lengthening that particular zone. It's all connected. It's all kinetically connected. So like a lot of my ankle work boiled down to my hips and my back Mm -hmm. because our whole kinetic chain is connected. So you're not isolating change. You're not isolating 
one particular area. You want to work on your back for that. You want to work on your core for that. You want to work on your inner thighs and your powerhouse. You want to build strength in other areas of your body to help pull you through as you're working on that. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And that's you know the exercise program that I have is very therapeutically based, but it is also whole whole body based as well, you know, for that reason. Um, and and to that piece that then goes on to then the mental emotional component because because we are all connected um but a big piece of the pelvic floor especially early on for finding it because if you are not familiar with finding it because it's not something that you you know unless you do the work and you and you are very much you know aware of it it's not something that's front of mind um because it is internal um but when you're when you're connecting to it again for the first time, a big piece of that is with the breath, and that may seem <laughs> I was just going to so say that like, un, un, you know not connected at all and disjointed, but it's a huge piece to it, uh, and th- that would kind of bring me back to you know one of my other main points is really focusing on your breath, on getting deep full breaths using your you know your full lung capacity bringing you which then brings you into a calmer state so again there's that that mind body piece of it when you're really using your diaphragm you're kind of stimulating your vagus nerve a little bit more but you want to think about also not just that belly breathing that front back breathing but also or yeah you know forward and back breathing but also breathing out into your rib cage laterally and breathing out into your back body as well so that you're really again using your full diaphragm that really engages your full pelvic floor because we are all connected. It is all connected. I couldn't agree more. Um, We today have touched on indirectly meals, movement, mindset. The one thing we did not touch on yet is Mm -hmm. your relationship with money, which I like to paraphrase as AKA your levels of stress. Most people, when it comes to money, that is their ultimate stressor, which impacts other areas of their life. Mm-hmm. So what would your takeaway be on that component? Yeah, sure. I would say, I would say the more that, so it's it, it's tricky postpartum because you're generally taking some time off and, you know, I am trying to encourage women to take that time off. I know that it's kind of a privilege to have that choice. Not that it's a privilege to stay home for any length of time, but really the privilege is in in the choosing of, am I going to work? Am I staying home? Is it some type of hybrid? But if you're able to give yourself more of that length of time, I think that it's really helpful, you know, for you and your baby connection, but for yourself to allow for all of that healing that needs to happen, the physical, the mental, emotional. And while it may seem like, it's a burden for you financially. I'm going to offer that you just kind of switch your perspective on it a little bit for two reasons. Like one, childcare is expensive, especially in the States. It is, it is not a small fee by any means. Um, So, you know, think of your time staying home as, you know, making, if you want, if you need to frame it in that, making that salary of whatever that childcare would be, that's what you're bringing in because that's what you're saving your family. Now, granted, if you have a job that makes makes more than that, you're gonna you may have a harder time kind of sitting with that reframe. But I, you know, I I challenge you to think of it in that way at least initially. But then also, 
if you are taking that time and whether it's the three months or six months or your whatever time you allot for yourself and you allow yourself to really heal and feel really confident in who you are, you know your values, you know what you want, you feel good in your body. When you do return to work, you're likely going to be able to do it at a higher level because you're not burdened with all of the extra weight of that mom guilt or shame that's like weighing you down because you feel solid. Like I am making this decision because it's aligns with my values. It's who I am. It's right for my family. And you can say that confidently. And that frees up so much headspace, which then takes away so much of that exhaustion. So when you're at work, you're able to, you know, give it your all, you're able to come back home and be more present there. And I think, you know, being present in what you do is a huge, huge piece to it. Um, So while you might take a hit initially, I think in the long run, in the long term, you're setting yourself up for more success financially because you're coming back into the workforce if that's your path that you're choosing at a higher level of yourself. And that's only going to kind of up that game. Perfect. I love that share. And on that note, I know that you have a special offer for everybody listening to this. Can you take a few minutes and talk to us about that? Yeah, of course. So I have created the postpartum revolution and it's, you know, My goal is to really revolutionize the way that we are caring for the mother postpartum and really kind of push out of that bounce back culture, really allow yourself to reconnect mind, body, soul, to heal, recover, and move forward. And we do that with my like signature framework of identifying, so identifying where you are mentally, emotionally, physically, what's going on in all of those areas, um, integrating, so really integrating mind, body, soul, kind of working all that together, and then igniting and really kind of up leveling, uplifting yourself into the direction that you want to go, knowing that you're fully aligned in your values, that you feel really strong and confident in your body, whatever phase your body is in at that time. Um, so it is an eight-week group coaching coaching program with an additional bonus um, four weeks of coaching because you know mom life right? (laughs) You may have to like, you may be held up at a certain stage for a little bit. And I don't want you to feel like you're missing out on something or going to be left behind because you are not. Um, There's a big community component to it because community in motherhood and sisterhood, I think is so important uh, to not feel like you're alone because postpartum can feel so isolating. Um, So it's eight weeks, you're going to come out of it feeling strong, feeling confident, having a solid foundation, not only physically to go on and do your you know, next level activity, get back to what you want to do, but also you know, mentally and emotionally being confident in yourself so that you can really parent confidently the way that you want without the mom guilt, without the self-doubt, without all the shame, and so that you can partner passionately and, you know, and stay really connected to your partner in a way that feels good you know, for you. Because again, it comes back to you. So we're Like, yes, for them, it's a byproduct. A partnership is always a byproduct of two people. Um, But for you first and being confident and comfortable in that. Um, So it is open. And for anyone who is listening, because you're listening to Sonia and she's lovely. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I do have a 10% um, coupon code for you. So it will be, I just want to make sure. Um, that I get it right, Sonia uh, Pod Mama, and that will be in the show notes. So yeah, it will be in the show notes, and anybody can apply it. 
Um, Ariel, I want to thank you um, for being a guest on today's show. We had so much to talk about. Um, for those that are listening, yeah. all of my episodes I are not like this long. For another hour, and, and <laughs> my that's, kids may not that's may allow it, but I could have talked for an hour longer. That's what I love about the energy and these organic conversations. Many times, I don't sit there and vet and interview a lot of people. I feel their energy, and I'm like, let's do it because my audience needs this. Your audience needs this, and. I was at a networking event. We're just going to close with this here. I was at a networking event the other day and there was a lady talking and she's 25 and she has three kids and she's a single mom. And, and he was talking about her business. And I said to her, I said, why don't we sit down and have a coffee chat? I said, because I had mentioned that I have a grandson, but you have no idea that my daughter is 25 years old and is Mm -hmm. completely going through what you're going through. So you just don't know where this is going to land. You don't know how this is going to inspire somebody. And please, um, you know, like, comment, share, go ahead. This is going to be on YouTube. Um, So there will be a YouTube link where you can catch the video. If you're listening to the audio, it will be in the show notes as well. Or you can pop over to my my YouTube channel. It's in my link tree. You can always Google Sonia Janice um, on YouTube um, or Fresh Approach Fitness. if you are lost, definitely message me and I will get you the YouTube link. Ariel's going to have the YouTube link as well. She's going to be cross-posting this to her platforms. And um, my link tree will be here. Her promo code will be here as well as her description. I am sending you so much love and hug today, guys. Make it a fantastic day. And Ariel, do you have anything to say before we chime up? No, just thank you so much. This has been absolutely wonderful. And to your point, absolutely share. If you are not postpartum at the moment, share with a mama in your life or an expecting mom in your life, because I think, you know, the more that we are prepared for life postpartum, the better off that we are. So yes, absolutely share with your partners because they need to know what it's like. It may kind of start to encourage that open dialogue between the two of you, which is absolutely needed. Um, but yeah, the, you know, it's all about connection and building community, especially in motherhood. I think it's something that we very much need. So absolutely, please, please do share with the moms in your life. And, and I want to say it's more so than that, everything that you just said, it's about feeling connected because nobody wants to feel alone. And when you are postpartum, when you do have the baby, when you're going through any change, it's easy to feel isolated and that you're the only one going through it. And if we can help you feel like you are connected, even if it's just to us, we've done our job. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Sending you so much love and joy. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And stay tuned for more of these wonderful episodes. Thanks.